For the fullness of the blessing of the gospel of Jesus Christ, put those hands together with a joyful shout. Let's receive our Papa, Doctor Amen Damina. Glory! Somebody shout a powerful Amen. It's homecoming 2022. Whoa! Amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's pray together. Father, we rejoice that we have this another opportunity to fellowship in the light of your word. It is the entrance of your word that give it light and give it understanding to the simple. We are not forgetful hearers, but doers of the word. Therefore, we are blessing our deeds. Thank you, Lord, that revelation knowledge is gifted every one of us this morning. And we rejoice that by the end of this service, we'll all be the better for it. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. amen. Lift your right hands to heaven. Let's release our faith together as we say these words. I am born of God. I am born of the world. The word of God is my nature. I do not struggle to do the world. I do the world naturally. Therefore today, I will understand the word of his grace. I will be built up. By the end of this service, I will never be the same. Never ever be the same again. In Jesus name And every believer says a powerful amen Can we celebrate our fellowship together this morning Glory Grab your pen, your notebook, your bible You can be seated with your sweet smart self this morning What a joy to have everybody back home I'm just excited Looking at all the coordinators and all the brethren That came from all the campuses around the world It's such a wonderful delight and a joy to have the family together here. Can I have a powerful amen? I want to use the opportunity to acknowledge all the brethren that came into the convention. I mean, to this homecoming 2022 already. We have uh, our global coordinator, Pastor Matthew. He's here with us from Power City, Abuja. We love you, man. So glad to have you and all that you do for the kingdom and for all of us as a family. Also, we have Pastor Jessica coordinating USA and Canada. She's here with us this morning. We love you. We're glad to have you here. Bless you. Bless you. And then we have all our coordinators of different campuses. Pastor Efosa and wife PC Ibinina also here. We love you both. Thank you for what you do for the kingdom. Pastor Sophie is also here from PCI Slough in the UK. So good to have you here, Pastor Sophie. Pastor Fatih is also here from PCI Niger Republic. Thank you, Pastor Fatih, for coming to be with us. Pastor Olua Shon is also here with us from PCI Maryland, USA. Bless you, Pastor Shon. And then Pastor Moss is here from Gaborone, Botswana. Thank you for what you guys are doing in that country, you know, all the different places in Botswana coming up with the gospel of Christ. Pastor Richard Kinga is also here from Power City, Bamenda, Cameroon. So good to have you in the service. Bless you. It's a joy to have all of you here in the conference. Pastor Chinedu from PCI Enugu is also here with us. We love you, Pastor Chinedu. We're glad to have you here. All right, Pastor Princess from PCI Onicha is also here with us. Bless you, Pastor Princess. We're glad to have you. Pastor Roland, PCI Asaba is also here. Bless you, Pastor Roland. We love you. Pastor Benjamin, PCI Asaba, working with Pastor Roland is also here. Pastor, Pastor Benjamin, thank you for all you do for the kingdom. Pastor Samuel, PCI Apo in Abuja is also here with us this morning. Bless you, Pastor, 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 
Samuel. Pastor Priska is also here with us, the, the bishop in capital letters. We love you. Bless you. Bless you, Pastor Priska. From Abuja, Pastor Daniel Ishaku is also here with us from PCI Kefi. Bless you, Pastor Daniel. Pastor Victor is also here with us from Germany. Pastor Victor, we love you. Thank you again. Bless you. Bless you. Bless you. Pastor Franka is also here. PCI Gwagwalada in Abuja. Bless you, Pastor Franka. Pastor Simeon Odo is also here with us. PCI Kuje. Kuje in Abuja. Bless you, Pastor Simeon. Pastor Fred is also with us. PCI Mina. Bless you, Pastor Fred. And Pastor Ekene Okeke is also here with his wife, PCI Owere. Praise God. All right, all the brethren that came from all the different campuses around the world, can you all stand and shout a powerful glory? We love you, we love you, we love you. You can be seated this morning. Praise God. Alright, so we started this morning, we started the conference, and the two books have been dedicated, they are available, you can get copies, and for those online, you can order for the two books, Heaven, the Believer's Reality Now, and uh, The Message of the Cross, very powerful materials, you know, um, the book on heaven, you know, bust all the myths on heaven is heaven at last, heaven is not at last, heaven is not our goal, heaven is not a gathering of dead people like a mortuary, uh, heaven is, 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 the believer's heaven is not a planet in outer space somewhere and a lot more in that book. And then on the message of the cross, you will find the message, the mandate and the mission of the gospel. Very powerful materials. And for those online you want to order for these materials, Dr. Abel Damina at yahoo.com or you can write to powercityinternational at gmail.com. Very important. That will get you copies of this book but on my page all the details are there you can order for them can i have a good amen all right are you ready for the message Uh, i want to quickly mention that those of you on facebook youtube twitter instagram all of social media brethren help us share the videos like the videos subscribe to our youtube channel make sure we get the message all over the world radio audience we love you we're glad to have all of you in the service this morning can i have a powerful amen All right, let's get to Colossians chapter 1 verse 9. We've been looking at zeal and in this service I want to look at spiritual apathy. Spiritual apathy. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. And increasing in the knowledge of God. Next verse. Strengthen with all might. According to his glorious power. Unto all patience. And long suffering with joyfulness. Can I have a powerful amen. I'm also aware that Pastor Rex is here all the way from Kotka in Lagos. Love you Pastor Rex. Bless you. Bless you. All right. Now. Brother Paul says his prayer is that you be fruitful in every good work. We ought to be fruitful in our Christian walk. The question you want to ask yourself is, am I really producing fruits? Am I really a fruitful believer? I am saved by Jesus. He paid the price for my sins. He gave me eternal life. I am secured in Christ. But the question is, am I really producing fruits? And the kind of fruits I produce... Can it be measured 
with the quality of seed that is being sown in my life continually? Those are very important questions. You want to, you know, run a personal, a personal assessment of yourself. You know, as a believer, you must learn how to receive instructions. You don't respond to instructions with excuses. A minister in the making must learn to receive instructions. When you respond to instructions with excuse, it is a proof that you did not receive that instruction. And the grace of God that comes with the instruction doesn't abide with you. So you must learn to receive instructions. The book of Proverbs says, receive instructions for she is your life. Receive instructions. If there's somebody you don't argue with, you don't argue with your pastor. You don't argue with your leader. I'm not saying that they're always right. God didn't put people over you because they are Jesus. God put people over your life so that you can turn out to be a better person. Every time you get instructions and you come with loads of excuses, it's important for you to realize that you did not receive that instruction. The reason why instructions are given is so that you can act on them. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 18. Let's look at what brother Paul says to Timothy in First Timothy chapter 1 verse 18. This charge I commit unto this son Timothy according to the prophecies which went before on thee that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. Next verse. Holding faith. Next verse, verse 19. Holding faith and a good conscience which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. There are people that have made shipwreck of their ministry. They have made shipwreck of their calling. They have made shipwreck of God's purpose for their lives. So you take instructions. Paul will say to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 15. 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse number 15. Meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Now when brother Paul was saying that to Timothy, he wasn't talking about scriptural instructions. He was talking about the instructions he gave to Timothy. He said, Timothy, the things I have instructed you, meditate on, on them. Give yourself wholly to those instructions that your profiting may appear to all. When Jesus was leaving the earth, he gave instructions to his disciples. And they went ahead and acted on it without excuse. That is how to receive instructions. Don't argue with your teacher. Don't argue with your pastor because when you are arguing, you are not learning. You can't be arguing and learning at the same time. When you are asking intelligent questions, that is a proof that you are learning. You know, there are some questions that you ask and they come forth as arguments. And you need to be careful with such questions. There are questions you ask in order to learn. And those questions bring you discipline and spiritual growth. Now, it's important for you to realize that ministry is by experience. It's not just by knowledge. Ministry is by experience. Of course, there is knowledge 
in ministry, but it goes beyond knowledge. It also has a place where experience plays a very major part. That's why the Bible says a bishop must not be a novice. A bishop or a pastor or an overseer of souls must not be a novice. He must be an experienced person. So over the time, I have been able to gather facts and I have come to a conclusion to say these are the reasons certain things happen in ministry. You know, you are saved by grace through faith. So there are no works required in salvation. You are saved by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You are saved by grace. So that means that once you are saved, you are saved by the grace of God. But the same Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God had before ordained that we should walk in them. So there are good works we are supposed to walk in. We are redeemed, saved by Jesus unto good works. So that means there are works we should walk in. Walk there means God expects you to be active. So after salvation, James tells us, faith without works is dead. Talking about what you do for other people. He begins to talk about what you are doing. And that is why Paul prayed that prayer, that you'll be fruitful, that you begin to produce fruits worthy of the call of God for your life. So let's explore a bit on apathy. Romans chapter 12 verse 11. Romans chapter 12 verse 11. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. There is something called spiritual apathy. And that's what Paul was addressing in Romans chapter 12 verse 11. That means you can be a Christian, you have the Holy Ghost, but you are not fervent. It means you can have the Holy Ghost in you, but you are slothful. Slothful. If the scripture says, do away with anger, it means a believer can have anger. So what does it mean to be apathetic? I will give you the dictionary meaning of apathy. It means to be unenthusiastic. No enthusiasm in what you are doing. It means you are indifferent. Indifferent. It means you are unconcerned. You are not concerned at all. It means that there is no excitement about you. You have no enthusiasm. It's like plastic prayer or a preacher that preaches without excitement. He just preaches for preaching's sake. He's not in it. You're just praying for praying's sake. You are not in the prayer. You're just singing for singing's sake. You are not in it. You are in a state of apathy. The things about you, you know, uh, you're unconcerned. Whether people are saved, 
whether people are not saved, whether evangelism is, you are not bothered. You are just there as if you are not there. And when a man has apathy, he will have motions, but no emotion. He will have motions, but no emotion. Greet somebody near you. He does it very cold. Even the way he will stretch his hand, you will be looking for where to hold. Even the way he will stretch his hand. Are you following? Okay, so greet, shake somebody by you. He now does his hand like this. So you know, you'll be looking for where to hold up. He is in a state of apathy. He's not concerned. He doesn't care. He's not committed. No fire. Somebody in that state is dull and lethargic. Dull and lethargic. They are so unconcerned and dull. These lethargic people really don't care. But interestingly, they come to church. They even join working departments. You see them in the ushery. You see them in the protocol. You see them in the music team. You even see them in all the different departments in church. Some of them can even be house pastors. Even district pastors. They just like the title and like the respect but don't like the responsibility they want to be house pastors district pastors even campus coordinators they just like the they, they like the glory but they don't like the story that produces the glory they like you know they like all that all the accolades that come with it but they don't they, they forget that it's not about the accolades it's about the responsibility Let's go to the book of Revelation because we're going to do some exegesis in this service. Just like we did in the first service. Jesus spoke to seven churches. And all those seven churches are in Asia. You know, Brother Paul's ministry was in Asia. John was there as well. The important thing about the letters to the seven churches was that he addressed the seven churches differently. There was nothing he told one church that he told another. Each church had a peculiar address from, from Jesus. So it's possible God will speak to local churches differently. The message for Power City may not be the message God has part time to another congregation. The angel of the church was the messenger. So that means that instructions will always come through your pastor. Instructions from God will always come through your pastor. To the angel, to the angel of the church in, to the angel of the church at, instructions coming through your pastor. You will not get that instruction from Facebook. You will not get that instruction from television. It will come directly from your pastor. So Jesus was speaking to each of the seven churches. God speaks to us in power city specifically as power citizens. Jesus addresses those churches differently. For example, when brother Paul told Timothy in 1st Timothy 1:18, prophecies have gone before you, by them war a good warfare. Nobody ministers to you specifically like the man of God God has planted in your life. The man of God that God has planted in your life doesn't only teach you doctrine. He brings to you specific instructions for your life, for the safety of your life, for the preservation of your life. 
He brings specific instructions. You can get a word from Kenneth Copeland. You can get a word from Kenneth Hagin. In fact, you can get a word as a Power City member from Pastor Chris on Nainka. But when it comes to certain specifics, when it comes to certain specifics for your life, only the spiritual authority that God has put over you can bring such specific instructions. I don't know if you are following. It's so important. It's so important. You know, because some believers don't understand that God instituted the local church. Therefore, he will not go against his order of operation. The local church is not a man's idea. The local church is God's idea for the nourishment, the preservation of his people. That's why he will take the solitary and plant them in families so that they are taken care of. There is accountability, there is responsibility, and there is discipline to secure you so you fulfill the purpose that God has for your life. Please pay attention. This is very important. You do not have a choice as touching whom God places over you. Samuel didn't choose Eli. Joshua didn't choose Moses. Elijah didn't choose Elijah. That's how God works. You didn't choose me to be your pastor. God supernaturally orchestrated events that brought you in contact with me and you understood my language in a way you didn't understand anybody's language elsewhere. Is that true? You sat under several pastors and they blessed you. But when I speak, there is a way it hits home. Because you didn't choose me, God placed me over you. There are some on YouTube right now. There are some on Facebook. There are many churches in their city. But no pastor in that city speaks the word to them the way it gets across to them when I speak. That's the indication that I'm the spiritual authority over your life. You don't choose a pastor because you like his face. No, you don't even choose a pastor. God supernaturally brings you to your shepherd. I will give them shepherds according to my heart. So a pastor over you is the gift of the heart of God to you. That is God couldn't have given you any better gift on earth other than that pastor that he has placed over you. It is God who does it. No man chooses a pastor. God supernaturally orchestrates it. That's why people can be in millions of miles. Yet, when they hear me teach, they know that this is home. Are we teaching here? So, you only responded to the call of God. Brother Paul, I mean Timothy didn't choose Paul. God set Paul over Timothy's life. And brother Paul spoke specific things over Timothy. He wasn't speaking about who you are in Christ. You can learn that from any preacher. But there are certain specific instructions that your life will be built on. So, you can relate with that. And that's why when it comes to relationships, you don't just get counsel from outside. 
You get counsel from inside. The local church is God's idea, like I said. It protects the believer in such a way that no other relationship does. So Jesus speaks specifically to the seven churches. Do you notice that in every letter, how did he end all the letters? Let him that has ears to hear, hear what the Spirit is saying or saith unto the churches. Every of the, second, of the seven churches, that's how the letter ended. Yet he is talking to individual churches. But he expects all of us to take heed to the same things. He expects all of us to take heed to the same things he spoke to the seven churches. So there are things in those letters we need to take heed to and pay attention. So we'll look at one particular church among the seven. Revelation chapter 3 verse 14. Revelation chapter 3 verse 14. <clears throat> and unto the angel of the church of the Lydosians write, This thing saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness. The beginning of the creation of God. Next verse. I know thy works. I know thy works. That thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou art cold or hot. Next verse. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. That's not an advice. He didn't say, I may spew thee. I will spew thee. He didn't say, I'm he said, I will spew you. I know your works. You are neither cold nor hot. You have entered a state of apathy. I will spew you out of my mouth. Now, Beginning means he is the prince, the ruler. This is not going to happen at the judgment seat of Christ. I will spew thee out of my mouth is a present reality. It's not a future thing he's talking about. That is, you better be cold or hot. That's not the loss of salvation. He's not dealing with salvation. He's dealing with works. I know thy works. I know your ministry. I know your service. That you are serving me, but you are neither hot nor cold. So I will spill you out. He said, I will even have preferred that you were even cold. So God prefers cold to lukewarm. You will think lukewarm is better. But God said it's even better you were cold or hot. Which means God even prefers that you are cold than that you are lukewarm. That is not English language we are using here. This is Bible language. Notice he says, I know thy works. Brother Paul talks about works. 1 Corinthians 3.11. Pay attention. 1 Corinthians 3.11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Next verse. 
Now if any man build upon this foundation, take note of the material, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, next verse, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. Next verse. If any man's work abide, which he had built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. Reward. Next verse. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved. Yet so as by fire. Which means there was nobody that didn't have something. But those that are working and those that are not serving, all of them are working. If you are doing nothing after you are saved, that you are nothing is something in God's scale. And if you are doing something, it is also something. So both those that are doing nothing and those that are doing something, he said, I know thy works. So which means idleness is a work. Nonchalance is a work. Lack of commitment is a work. Dodging prayer meetings is a work. I know you are, all of it is works in the sight of God. You are the only one that thinks I'm not committed. Lack of commitment is a work. I know that works. And there are only two classifications. Brother Paul gave us only two classifications. He said, every man's work. Every man. That means all of us have work. It is a some of you, your work. You say every man. So every man is doing something. He mentions gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble. Stubble is descriptive. Gold, silver, precious stones. Precious stone is descriptive. So there are two descriptions. It's either stubble or precious stones. So he's saying you can categorize what you are doing as precious stones or stubble. We will find out that figure of speech. Notice those items. Those items are rated by value. Stubble, precious stones. How many of you have lost something precious before? When you lose something precious, do you sleep? What do you do? You, 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 you go all out. Why are you going all out to look for it? Because it is of value. You know some people, if they don't come to church meetings, it makes no difference. Any day they come, it makes no difference. They don't come, it makes no difference. To them, both coming and not coming are the same. They are committed, it makes no difference. When they are no more committed... It doesn't mean anything. It has no value. There is no value attached to their coming or not coming. To their commitment or no commitment. No value. And some think when they don't come, they are doing the pastor. And some think when they come, let's encourage Papa. 
As if he has been discouraged. Because what they are offering God is not precious. So whether they come or not, nothing is missing. And sometimes they wander like that till they go away. I know sometimes some people need to leave church so that others can take their place. So that we can make progress. Because some people are there and are not there is the same. So it's good to get out. Flush them out. The second reason why you look for something that is precious, that is lost, is durability. So brother Paul is talking of precious stones as he regards value and durability. Will this endure? Does it have durability? So which means brother Paul looks at our service, our ministry, our work in terms of value and durability. The word stubble and the word precious stones. Questions to ask yourself. Can you qualify what you do? You know, excuses in service is a definition of your value. What value do you place in serving God's purpose? What value do you place in your service in the house of God? You will remain apathetic to anything you don't value. And the question now will be, what kind of value are you placing on what you do? Because whatever you don't place value on, God will not place value on it for you. If you treat your prayer group without value, that is the way God sees you in that prayer group without value. If you treat your service in the house of God without value, that's the same way God sees it on your behalf. <laughs> so don't expect to be rewarded for something you don't value. Huh. Are you here? This place is dead quiet. Is entry? Second Timothy two twenty. It's homecoming, guys. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Next verse. If any man therefore purge himself from this, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. So Paul spoke to Timothy that there are vessels unto honor. Now, if there are vessels unto honor, then there are also vessels unto dishonor. There is a vessel that will not be honored at all. But even though it's not honored, do you know that he is still a vessel? Yes. There's no honor, no value on that vessel, but he's still a vessel. He's a pastor. He's still an usher. He's still in the technical department. Still a house pastor. He's still a district pastor. He's a vessel. 
It's not good enough to do something. It's how you do it. You know you can go for evangelism, but you're not passionate about it. You're not passionate. (laughs) You know you can get someone born again, but you're not interested in the person. You only got him born again for the purpose of getting him born again. Here you are, you preached, but didn't place value on your preaching. So it comes to nothing. It's not that the person is not saved, but your labor on that person has no value. So whether you are doing something we can see, the truth is not doing something in the kingdom, is that it is still recognized as doing something. Get back to Revelation 3.15 now. Jesus seems to say that lukewarm is cold is better than lukewarm. I know thy works. That thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. I didn't get that when I first read it many years ago. Until I understood what he was talking about. The Laodosians fully understood that communication. Now to understand what they understood, you must sit where they sat and hear what they heard. Laodosia was between two major cities. One city was called Herapolis and the other city is called Colossae. Laodosia is in the middle of Herapolis and Colossae. Colossae was a country where at the bed of it is a high mountain called Cadmus. So streams run from that mountain into Colossae. And it brings very cold water, ice water. Because at the peak of the mountain, Cadmus is snow. So when the water is coming down, it will come as ice, very cold, extremely cold and refreshing. Then the other side is Herapolis, has like a contrast to what we just said. Herapolis was, you know, majorly people go there during the hot seasons. Okay, and then during the hot season, they leave Herapolis and they go to this other side to get fresh water. So it's refreshing, this other side is hot. The other contrast is Heropolis because things were created there by earthquake. So you can have hot spring water coming down. They believe that that spring water had healing powers. Okay? Culturally. So when people had diabetes or had certain diseases, they go there superstitiously to get healing in Heropolis. So Laodicea is in the middle of these two. Laodicea will be the landlock. They had some money so they could pipe water. They could pipe water from Cadmus in Colossae and bring the water to Laodicea. But because of the distance, by the time the water, the cold water from Cadmus arrives Laodicea, it has become nasty lukewarm. So they can't drink it. Because the purpose for bringing the water is gone. That water, that nasty water 
is lukewarm. So that's why it says better it is cold or hot because lukewarm water is nasty. Lukewarm water is useless. So when Jesus said, I will spill you out of my mouth, Laodosia understood what he was saying. That the water that comes from, he- from Cadmus will be nasty. In other words, that water is not useful. To be lukewarm means you are not useful. Such water makes you want to throw up. You know that kind of water? It's not hot. It's not cold. It's just there. It makes you want to throw up. It's tasteless. It's not refreshing. That's exactly what Jesus was saying. Your service, your works, they are not refreshing. They are tasteless. Nothing in it. He's not talking of salvation here. Notice what he says to them in verse 19. Revelation 3.19. Put it up for me. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous therefore and repent. They are born again. He's bringing correction. I love you, that's why I'm rebuking you. I love you, that's why I am rebuking your apathetic, unenthusiastic, lethargic, unconcerned service. I love you. So can we say lukewarmness is a lack of zeal? Huh? Hello? A lack of zeal. The truth about these folks, and don't forget, he said to them, I know thy works. So they were not without activity. I know your works. I can recognize the quality of what you are doing. And the Spirit of God is saying, Awake thou that sleep. Arise from the dead. And Christ shall give thee light. He's writing to believers. Be awake. First Thessalonians 5, 6. Glory to God. Pay attention. Therefore, let us not sleep. He's talking to Christians. He's talking to people that are saved. Let us not sleep as do others. But let us watch and be sober. Same instructions Jesus gave to that church in Laodicea. Paul is giving to the church in Thessalonica. He's writing to believers. Let us not sleep. Sleep in scripture is used for the dead. <laughs> Lazarus sleepeth. Let's go and wake him up. So when he says, let us not sleep, it means what is right in here is spiritual. Spiritual inactivity is called sleep. Spiritual inactivity. Let us not sleep as others do. Let us watch and be sober. The term watch means do not sleep. Be active. Look at Romans 13, 11. Let's see what Paul says again. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer 
than when we believed. Let's awake out of sleep. Paul is addressing spiritual apathy. Let us not sleep as others do. That means there are believers who sleep. It's not physical sleep. It's spiritual sleep. They are sleeping spiritually. Now, so let's examine what that means in the natural. The reason why sleep is used for death in the Bible is because they are similar. You are inactive. You are totally oblivious of your environment. You are totally not involved in anything. You are totally oblivious of your environment. Nothing in your environment has your contribution. You are sleeping. You are in church, but nobody is blessed. You are just there. Long-standing member. Your only contribution is that you are wearing out the seat. That's all. You are oblivious of anything happening. Evangelism, you are not there. Prayer cruise, you, you, you are dead. You are in spiritual... Comatous. Did I say it well? Spiritual comatous. You are just, you are dead. No evangelism. People are actively praying in the service. If somebody grab you, Agababa, you remove your hand. You look for, you walk away. You are not a non-believer. You are born again. But you are in a comatose status. <laughs> Spiritual inactivity. Spiritually dead. How many of you know that when you drive and sleep, you either kill yourself or you hit somebody? A pilot died mid-air. I watched the documentary, real story. An old man with his wife, only two of them in the plane. The pilot died. And the woman called the control tower and told them, my husband has died, he's the pilot. The control tower asked her, can you move him and land the plane? She said, if you tell me what to do, I will land the plane. So they told her, take over the controls. Do like this, do like that. They kept guiding her. She came almost landing. She was going to crash. They asked her to go up again. She went up like three times. Then they got all the emergency vehicles and everything on standby. Then they now asked her to land. She landed. For the first time. And they came to the rescue, brought her out alive and took the dead body. 
When a plane is flying and you die as a pilot, just the way you imagined it, the plane of God's plan for your life, you have already died inside the cockpit. The plane of God's plan for your life is just moving because you have slept spiritual comatose. Your life is just like that. No direction, no impact. When it comes to kingdom service, nobody feels you. If you are not here today, nobody will know you left. Only the camera that used to film. And even then, somebody will have taken your seat. So it's just a replacement of face. Apathy. That's why Paul said, let us not sleep. We are not of the night. They that sleep, sleep in the night. We are of the day. Paul is dealing with apathy. Inactivity. Spiritual slumber. You know there are different levels of sleep. There are different levels of sleep. Oh, you don't know? There are heavy sleepers. Heavy. They sleep so heavy that they wet their bed. Heavy sleep. They urinate on the bed. Adults, not children. Because of depth of sleep. There are people like that. That calls for prayer. And medical attention. (laughs) Why are you people laughing? And there are some when they sleep, they punch. Boom, boom, boom. They are deep asleep. There's, there's, there's this magazine they used to send many years ago. Reader's Digest. You social media age will not know it. It's those of us that have been around. Reader's Digest. A true story was told in Reader's Digest about a woman whose husband is a deep sleeper. And when he sleeps, he can even stand up. And go to the kitchen and cook. But he's still sleeping. Sleepwalking. Sleepwalking. One night she woke up. Her husband had gone down. That's the story. To go and use the lawnmower to mow the grass. Naked. While sleeping. So she, he was busy mowing the grass. Naked. And moving the machine. So when she came, knowing her husband, she just used her hand like that. He laid down on the hand, dropped the mower, and continued sleeping. They carried him to the bed, covered him, he slept. The next morning he woke up, he didn't know what happened. Komotos. There are people when they sleep. I had a man that lived in his house when I started ministry newly. 
he snores. He will stand up from the bed. And he's walking down the steps. If we don't rush and catch him, he will leave the compound. And then, when he now got baptized with the Holy Ghost, he'll be speaking in tongues while snoring. He was snoring. And he's sleeping. True story. So when you hear him coming from upstairs, because we used to sleep downstairs, and you hear, we know that we need to block the doors. He will come down, go around the house, go up, climb his bed and sleep. And in the morning, he doesn't know what happened. Sleeps are in levels. In other words, when you are sleeping, you are disconnected completely from what is happening. When you are sleeping, you are not aware of what is happening around you. So that's why you don't come for prayer cruise because you are sleeping. You don't go for evangelism, you are sleeping. We are doing discipleship, you are not committed, you are sleeping. So that means despite the anointing of the spirit, I can be in the service sleeping and nothing will happen to me. Even in this service now, there are some people sleeping and dreaming. Eutychus was in a service. He slept and fell down and died. Paul raised him back. He sat. Maybe he slept or they kept an usher there to be tapping him. So we don't have second resurrection. In Gethsemane, Jesus took them to go and pray. They slept. He came and made them sleep. Ah, ah, one hour you can't even stay awake. Sleep is such a description of apathy that you need to understand why Paul used it as well. That's how many look spiritually. You can be in the motion and you're not doing anything. And all the dimensions of prayers taught by brother Paul, sleeping is not one of them. That means on the outside, you can be doing something, but inside, you're doing nothing. You can have all activity, and it's, there's actually nothing going on inside you. Apathetic and unenthusiastic. Do you know why he never accused the church in Laodicea of stealing money or fornication of adultery? Or adultery. You don't have to live in sin to be apathetic. You don't have to be in sin. You can be moral, very, very disciplined, but highly apathetic. Very lethargic. You don't have to live in an, an unrighteous life before you are apathetic. You are here, but you are not here. The spirit is moving. You are not a part of it. We are harvesting souls to the kingdom. You are not a part of it. Lots of activity, but apathetic. When you start getting bored about what you are doing, then you know you have started being apathetic. You know, I told you, I told you some time ago that if you're a member of this church, 
and you're not committed to ministry, you'll soon be bored. Did I say that? You'll soon be bored. And when you're bored, what is the next thing? You leave. That's why sometimes you see people in church after a while, they are no more there. They are not part of us. What they are looking for is not Jesus Christ. They are looking for something else. So they come in, they can't even be there for a long time. Then they become bored, bored, bored. They sleep into deep slumber. The moment they wake up, they leave the church. I'm teaching good. There's a time in your life when it is wrong for you to be apathetic. When it is wrong. Because at that point, it will be harmful. When you need some fire for service, you don't sleep. That's the time you don't need lethargy. That's the time you need to be zealous. You know, Satan wants to separate. Then after he separates you, he destroys. Satan cannot destroy you when you are inside us. When you are among us, Satan cannot destroy you. He cannot, as long as you are among us. In order for him to achieve that thing he's been looking for to do in your life all these years, that we have not allowed him by our fellowship and togetherness, he will have to get you offended and take you out to an isolated place where we can't reach you, you can't reach us. Then he will strike. Bible says, he that isolates himself rages against all judgment. He that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall dwell in the congregation of the dead. That means out of understanding, you become a partner in the mortuary. When you leave understanding, you tabernacle with, the, with those in the mortuary. You become a member of the congregation of the dead. I'm teaching good. Fear thrives in an environment of condemnation. If you are a parent here and you want your children to grow properly, never use condemnation in raising them up. Never. You know, listen carefully. If you keep criticizing your children, they don't stop loving you. But they stop loving themselves. Let that sing. If you keep criticizing your children, they don't stop loving you because they trust you. But then they now stop loving themselves. That's serious damage. 
Fear does not allow for healthy growth. The first thing Adam said was, I was afraid. Never allow fear and condemnation and guilt in your relationships. Father, husband, wives, mothers, children. After the death of Uriah, David became apathetic for one year. He did nothing. He just went into comatose. It's when Nathan came to him and gave him the parable. And he answered. He said, you are the man. The moment he had that, he woke up from the dead. Condemnation. The devil uses those as instruments to paralyze the gift of God and the calling of God on your life. Never give him room. Then Paul said, Awake thou that sleep. Two things he says. Number one, let us not sleep. Which means stay awake. Then number two, Awake thou that sleep. So listen, the only time you are permitted to do nothing is when life is over. As ministers of the gospel, great men and women of God, we must stay on the guard. We must keep our zeal on a glow. We must keep our fire on fire. The second thing brother Paul says is arise from the dead. We are spiritually alive in Christ but our works can be dead. So in works there will be no difference between you and unbeliever because he is dead your works are dead. Lukewarmness is a no-no. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. A yoke is a metal binding of two people together. Now what he's simply saying is your relationships will affect you. Your relationships can affect you. Brother Paul will say, people that do not obey spiritual authority, stay away from them. Romans 16, 17. Glory! Glory. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. Because if you hang around them, they will bring you to a state of inactivity, a state of apathy. Anything you keep around you will affect you. A Christian who is not active, a Christian who is lethargic, is called dead. So to hang out with him is an unequal yoke. 
to hang out with a believer that is lethargic is an unequal yoke. Ephesians 5.14 Hallelujah. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Christ shall give you revelation. Light is revelation. Light is wisdom. Light is insight in God's world. One of the ways you will know that you are not active, you are apathetic, is that the word of God makes no difference. You only hear it to accumulate knowledge. It is not transforming you inside out, and it's not moving you to walk in the plan of God. You are just hearing. You are in apathy. You can be in a ministry where God is doing so much. Lots of things are happening. Yet nothing is happening in your own life. Nothing. Romans 12, 11 again. Hallelujah. Romans 12, 11. Put it up for me. Romans 12, 11. Not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. The word fervent is from the word fervor. Which means it's not sufficient to be serving. It's not sufficient to go for evangelism. It's not sufficient to be praying. It's not sufficient to be in the music team. It's not sufficient to be a pastor. You must be fervent. There must be a quality of zeal and fervency. And if it is not fervent, then what you are offering to God is dead. Your service is dead. When people are not fervent, they have motion, but no emotion. How do I know when I'm not fervent or what I'm not fervent about? When I am doing it, but in my mind, I would have rather been doing something else. This evangelism, they say it's 30 minutes. Now the team is reaching 15 minutes. Uh -uh. I left something to come. Why are they taking too much time? This prayer is supposed to be 15 minutes. Night has reached 30 minutes. Ah, uh ah. -uh. You would rather be somewhere than be there. You are in apathy. You have entered a state of, of, of sleep. You know, the, the animal sacrifices in the book of Leviticus. They take vessels and animals, they sacrifice them. Now let me ask all of you a question, and I want to hear your answers. Those animals in the book of Leviticus, were they used for service? Huh? The animals that were brought to the altar and killed, were they used for service? Yes. Were they involved in the service? Huh? Huh? No, because they are dead. 
Number three, did they want to be used? No. But were they used? Yes. Will those animals be rewarded? So when you do something for God just for doing sake, you have no reward. Let's just do it now. They say we should let's just do it before everybody will be looking at us like that. No reward. No reward. Paul said, if I preach the gospel willingly, then I have a reward. But even if I don't preach it willingly, a dispensation is committed to me. Which means whether I do it or not, I have to do it. But where I will be rewarded if I do it willingly? But even if I don't do it willingly, I have to do it. And yet, I will have no reward. Apathy. Lethargy. You come to church, you write notes. But when we read your notes, it is not what we said. You are writing something else. You are writing something else. You write what we said in between. You put market list. (laughs) How do I know I'm apathetic? When I begin to complain and wish I was doing something else. I wish I had a free time. All this one, church, church, every day, this whole week. You know, it means in the evenings I will not hang out with my friends. Jesus is called the Lamb of God. But remember, he gave himself willingly. He is different from those animals in Exodus. Those ones didn't give themselves. They were caught. They were killed by force and used for service. In Jesus' case, he gave himself. In Gethsemane, he said, I don't want to. After a while, he said, not as I will. Your will be done. That's why God has highly exalted him. One of these days, we will see Jesus. We will see Jesus face to face. We will stand before him like I'm standing before you today. And we will face him. Do you want to serve God's purpose? Or do you have an alternative in your mind? The apostles went to preach. They were caught and flogged and they rejoiced. You didn't hear me. They went to preach. They were caught. They were flogged. Instead of saying, this Jesus said, is he real? They are flogging us. He cannot suspend their hand. And he is called the power of God. They flog us. And Jesus allowed them to flog us. No! The Bible says when they left the place, they began to rejoice. And they say, wonderful. So we have been counted worthy to suffer for Jesus' sake. Those are men on fire. Those are men without apathy. Those are men that their emotion, their will, their bodies, their everything is involved in the gospel. Acts 5 Acts chapter 5 verse 41 and 42. They were beaten and they rejoiced. And they departed from the presence of the council. Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Next verse. And daily in the temple. After flogging them. See see, see what we are talking about here. And in every house 
They ceased not to preach and teach Jesus Christ. They were consumed by the zeal of God. Acts 13, 51, 52. Put it up for me. Acts 13, 51, 52. But they shook up the dust of their feet against them and came unto Iconium. Next verse. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. Because they were rejected in a place. We rejoice when we come against diverse tests, trial, and temptations. We don't back out. There's a race you must run. Paul and Silas in prison at midnight, instead of complaining, they sang and they prayed. When you're going through trials, some of us drop ministry. But look at people that had a genuine reason to drop ministry. That is where they started their own ministry. Friends, ministry is a fight. You must stay in the fight. No lukewarmness. No backing out. No compromise. They were not waiting for encouragement. I was in prison. None of you visited me. Where is the love of God? They were not waiting. People that are always complaining that nobody visits them are in a state of lethargy. You, who did you visit before you went to, to prison? I buried my mother. No church, no church member came. The dead buried their dead. Have you not read? I didn't say Jesus himself said it. The guy said, I want to go and bury my, my, my father. He said, let the dead bury their dead. You better carry your cross, let's be going. John the Baptist is in prison. Jesus didn't go. Papa, are you saying we shouldn't identify with brethren? You are not hearing. You are not hearing. You are hearing a hundred and Glory! Say with me, I'm fervent in spirit. I am serving the Lord. You know, when God appeared to Moses in the burning bush, it was fire. When the Holy Ghost came on the day of Pentecost, clothing turns like as of fire. At the resurrection of Jesus, when he appeared to John the Beloved, he he was like fire. There's a fire element you require in service. Your bones must be shot with fire. In service, you must be a man on fire. A glow. Fireful. When you go for evangelism, you go as if you are the only one on earth that will save the world. On fire. A glow. That attitude is what makes our service pleasing to God. Jesus was in the temple and they were selling and buying this transactionary gospel. Tap into my grace. Tap into my anointing. Jesus carried Koboko. Say where? In my father's house? Jesus carried Kiboko. That's the way they call it in Kenya. Kiboko. Rush them out. Then the Bible says the zeal of the father's house 
So zeal will make you push people out. He didn't, he didn't wound them. He pushed them out. He was not being wicked. He was being zealous. The zeal of my father's house. It is written. The zeal of my father's house has consumed me. When there's fire involved in service, it will consume you over time. Anytime we talk about zeal, fire is involved. You need a consistent association with the fire of God. The word zealous has to do with boiling. Like boiling water. Those of you that are conversant with boiling water, the fact that a pot is on fire with water doesn't mean it starts boiling immediately. It takes time. But the moment it starts boiling and stays on that fire, it keeps boiling. That means when you stay for some time with zeal and commitment, you become a glow. You become a glow. There's a consistency required. There's a consistency required. Bible says when they looked at those disciples who were unlearned and ignorant because of the time they spent with Jesus, they concluded this man must have been with Jesus. Many are not zealous because they are in apathy. Praise God. Getting blessed. Say with me, I'm on fire. My soul is on fire for the kingdom, for souls to serve God. For the purpose of God. No lethargy. No, no, no apathy. Allowed in my life. I am committed to the cause of Christ. And I refuse to hang around those that are sleeping. I am awake. I am of the day. I am awake. I am of the day. I didn't hear powerful. Amen. Stand on your feet. That's all I've got for you in this house. Say with me, I'm on fire. I'm committed to ministry. I serve the purpose of God to my generation. I didn't hear powerful amen. Say neighbor. Turn to your neighbor. Say neighbor. Only fireful people are permitted to stay around me. How is your fire? Kidabalabalabashaga. Leave your neighbor, walk to another person. Say, how is, your, how is your fire? Because I see you around my territory. Leave your neighbor, tell another person, I hope you are on fire. Because you are around my territory. Only fired men are permitted around me. Glory! Say, I preach the gospel with fire. When I sing, with fire. When I dance, with fire. When I shout, I'm on fire. Hey. Say when I rejoice, firefully. Glory. Say when I raise disciples, I raise them on fire. You know, the man that raised a disciple, the disciple will be like him. If he is Dume, you know Dume. 
Dume is lukewarm. That's right, that's right, that's right, that's right, that's right. That's right. That's right. When you're on fire, your disciples are on fire. We are committed to this cause. Twelve men shook the world. Only Paul took over Asia. One man, a whole continent, space of two years. Look at the thousands here. They have no gosh. Tell your neighbor, you better be on fire. Because, because in a short while, if you are not on fire, my fire will push you out. I like you to grab somebody. Let's pray on fire for one minute everywhere, all over the house. Zizaka, pray that nobody's fire will go out. That nobody's fire around you will go out. Zambada Gada Zeba. Hondosa, Hondosa, 
In the name of Jesus. I decree that your fire will never go out. You remain fresh. You remain aglow. You remain fervent. You remain committed to this assignment of God in the name of Jesus. I decree that through you souls are saved. Ministry prospers in your hands. I declare that everything that you require that God has put on your inside for ministry is stirred up. Is stirred up. This week you are stirred up in the name of Jesus. City takers, nation takers, continent takers, they're hearing the sound of my voice now. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, for the blessing. Thank you, Lord, for the call. Thank you, Father, for the honor. Thank you, Father, for your giftings. Thank you, Father, for the Holy Ghost. And thank you for this noble assignment. We give you praise and glory for answered prayer. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. I didn't hear that amen like thunder. Are you blessed this morning? Give him a shout for another one second, two seconds. Whoa! Amen! Now listen to me very quickly before I take up your honor offering. In the first service, I spoke about my offering. Every year at the end of 30 days of glory, it is just simple Bible obedience that you give to me an offering. And I do that every in the past few years. But this year, I don't want you to give that offering to me. This year, I have decided that that offering you're going to give to me should go to our second phase of projects this year. We have a budget of about 230-35 on the second phase of projects, things we need to do for the ministry. The list just goes on and on, and time does not allow me now to start going into details. But you know, you trust what we do as a ministry. This ministry has blessed you and is blessing people over the, all over the world. Just imagine if you to go out of your way to sacrificially give a qualitative amount of money to help us. We can get this gospel into more hands all over the earth. So that's the project. We have between now and the end of August to redeem the commitment. But I want you to make a commitment today. A quality commitment. A sacrifice. Something you deprive yourself to give so that more people are reached with the gospel of Christ. We prayed about it in the first service and we received that money in by faith. And we thank you, Father, that your people's hearts are willing in this day of your power. In Jesus' name. Amen. So you want to give to us this cause? Shoot us a mail if you're online, on television, on radio, or you are listening on social media. Shoot a mail asking for the banking details indicating your commitment to the project and we'll reply you with, with all the info you need. We don't want to put any account anywhere so scammers don't scam you. So shoot a mail to Dr. Abel Damina at yahoo.com. The studio, they are typing the email address for you on Facebook and on YouTube. Dr. D-R-A-B-E-L Damina at yahoo.com. If you shoot that mail, we will tell you where to redeem your commitments and let us know that you're willing to be a part of this. You want to also support so we can do more for the kingdom of our Christ. And thank you today for giving to this cause. I didn't hear a powerful amen.
Now get out your honor offerings. Let's give and honor Christ. Let's honor Christ in this service. Let's give. Let's give and honor God's word. Praise God. Glory. Online, the banking details for this offering is scrolling on, on TV. Radio audience, in another five minutes, Mr. Michael Bush will read the accounts for you. We will just do an introduction to ask the counselor for the homecoming. We continue more effectively tomorrow evening. Can I have a good amen? Lift up your offerings, Father. We give in faith, we give with joy, and we thank you for the privilege of honoring you. And we rejoice that our offerings are a sweet smell before you today, even as we honor what you have done and what you have made available for mankind to be saved through our givings. Thank you for the blessing. In Jesus' precious name. And every believer says a powerful amen. amen. Radio audience, you will hear the account in a few minutes. But online, all the platforms, you don't want to go away. Anywhere on the pulpit to be directed. Hit the music. Let's do it. As we worship the risen Lord. Glory. <laughs> Woo! Somebody make a joyful noise in you. Let's 
seated. Please be seated. Please be seated. Let's just make history with the shortest edition ever of Ask the Counselor. And, um, you know, Global Baba prepared the ground. He set the stage for this one when he said it was just going to be the introduction to Ask the Counselor on Homecoming 2022. And it's just exciting. Just put your hands together. Put your hands together. And it's just so nice to see that the world is actually at number 98, and um, I'm just going to quickly give the radio audience the account details just so that they can take advantage of what we also do here and try to support in a way or two. So account name remains part of City International, the two banks, the UBA, 139-26-465, 139-26-465, that's for UBA, account name remains Power City International. It's the same account name for Zenith 1012-36-5912-1012-36-5912, Power City International Steel. Okay, you want to send us an email, especially as we jumpstart the segment, uh, Ask the Counselor tomorrow. Ask the Counselor now at gmail.com, that's the email address, and of course, you also would have... Um, uh, for sponsorship, uh, for partnership, and for support, the program hotline. Plus 234, if you are calling us from outside of Nigeria, otherwise it's simply 0803-275-6104, or you send an email or to, to Dr. Abel Damina at yahoo.com. Okay, looks like I'll be by myself today. Global Baba. Can we please welcome Global Baba, Dr. Abel Damina, the Intercontinental Mr. Bush. Global Baba. You know, I was just waiting for you to take your time. Yeah, actually, you know, it's just because of time, Global Baba, the lack of it, because it's actually something that I planned to do before we jump start the program. See, my producer, I've not even started. It's just clicking that I have five minutes. Okay, so, um, okay, perhaps we'll do that on Monday night. That's tomorrow. Uh, at the point of this live edition, I will do that tomorrow when all of us will come together again. But Global Baba... Uh, we just should um, set the stage. Okay, it's saying one minute. Okay, we should do uh, our prayers. <laughs> Let's pray together. Father, thank you for quiet bomb state. Thank you for Nigeria. Thank you for the opportunity to come hear the word and learn the word and grow in the knowledge of the truth. So we ask that our nation and the rest of the world opens up to the gospel. Souls are saved, disciples are raised, and the kingdom of God continues to influence the nations. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I'm told that I have effectively about two, three minutes to round off this edition of Ask the Counselor. I'm going to try and squeeze in at least two entries. Blessing from you, right from the Life Church here. Global Baba, in the book of Acts 1, 10 to 11, the Bible records that there were two men who stood in white apparel and said, This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall in like manner come as you have seen him go. The same in Luke 24, 4 to 8. Who were these men in these two accounts, Global Baba? Were they angels? And if they were angels, how were these men able to see them? Since angels are unseen beings. And if they were not, Global Baba, who were they? Blessing, right here in Uyo. Well, blessing, you must know that that was that was eyewitness account. So that's what they saw. And what they saw was that they saw white, two white men who told them that the same way Jesus went, he will come. They didn't tell us who they were. So whoever they were, they were men who spoke in white apparel. That's what we have. Okay, so Honor Wilson. Um, Honor Wilson calls himself Global Baba's beloved son, right? Hello, Global Baba. 
and the intercontinental apparel. Oh, Michael Bush, thank you for your labor, for continually saving us the grace of God. I must confess, in Sutera 9, there has been so much learning for me, so much unlearning for me, and so much relearning. I'm eternally grateful for the work you do, Global Baba, bringing us the whole counsel of God unadulterated. Global Baba, in Genesis 3, in Ephesians 3, 17, which you quoted the other evening, Paul said that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That is, seeing that Paul was writing to believers who have or had the spirit in them. What did he mean by that statement? Thank you, my father. Honor Wilson, your beloved son. Well, sometimes the word heart can be used for mind, and sometimes the word mind can be used for heart, depending on context. So in that prayer, his prayer was that Christ's consciousness will settle in your mind, that your mind will be full of the consciousness of the reality that has happened in your spirit. That's what Paul was praying for. My name is Michael Bush. My producer is Pastor I.J. Quere, complete with the production team. Again, we welcome the world to Uyo, Akwaibum State, Nigeria, especially number 98, Nwangiba Road, the headquarters, the global headquarters of Power City International. Global Bar should have some closing announcements before we round off. Let's celebrate the Intercontinental Mr. Bush for serving us in this short edition. You don't want to miss tomorrow. Service begins at 5.30 p.m. GMT plus one. And don't also forget from Tuesday, we have morning session at 9 o'clock and evening at 5.30 till Friday. Saturday, there's no service. It's going to be a service off cameras. Then Sunday, we're back for the final edition of uh, Homecoming 2022. We love you. And we look forward to seeing all of you tomorrow. Enjoy the grace of Christ. Invite more people to be part of what God is doing. And until then, enjoy the grace of Christ and be blessed. Goodbye from Uyo, Nigeria. Amen. This is Kingdom Life.